Ezekiel 47, verse number one, to all of our guests, we're so glad to have you today. Amen. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of that house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under, from the right side of the house, and at the south side of the altar. There's not going to be a directional pop quiz in five minutes, so don't worry about it. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and he led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looks toward the east, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. And he measured another thousand And he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. And he measured a thousand, and he brought me through, and the waters were to the loins. After that, he measured a thousand, and it was a river. It was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. Let us say amen to the reading of the word of God. I bet you some of you right now are trying to figure out where in the world pastor is going with this Ezekiel prophetic vision this morning. Are we going to go somewhere today that's crazy? Are we going to jump out there and snore in Greek and dream in Hebrew? No, we're not. I'm going to preach to you as simple as I have ever preached to you. And I want to just preach to you what God's been dealing with me about over this weekend. What I feel like God's going to do at FTC in 2020. I feel like God is calling us to go just a little bit deeper. Amen. I feel like God is calling us to go just a little bit deeper. I want him to speak to us through his word today. There's so much value that can be added to our lives through the word of God today. I'm going to ask you to set your Bibles down if you would please. And let us ask with open hearts and hands today that God's word would speak to us. Would you do that? Father, speak to my mind that I may receive, comprehend. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus, that I may activate it today. I pray, Lord, that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we would know for certain that you have met us in this house. Lord, that your word would leave such an indelible mark on the hearts and lives of men and women in this place today. That nobody can ever question whether or not you met us here. Touch us, God. Speak in a mighty way. I pray, Lord, that shallow soil would be turned into deeper soil, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus at stony ground, the rocks would be removed. I pray, O God, that hearts would be prepared. Give us fertile soil because the seed is always good. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let the church say amen. 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 May God bless you. You may be seated. Give your neighbor a fist bump and tell him it's time to go deeper. Praise God. Now I'm going to begin today by being completely honest with you about Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47 
is one of those chapters that if you start digging, you can find plenty of stuff. It's pretty powerful. The prophetic insight that's there is almost mind-staggering. Uh, Ezekiel was a very interesting prophet. The way that God showed him things, quite honestly, uh, would cause people to look at him today and say, that guy is crazy. That dude is a lunatic. Have you ever read Ezekiel? Have you ever seen this wheel in the middle of a wheel? Have you ever seen this valley of dry bones? That as he's looking at this valley, the Lord says to him, prophesy. And man, the wind starts blowing and order comes together. And it, I mean, we read the story and we can, we can preach the britches off of it because it's a good story. We know, we know what it means. But I want to tell you that if Ezekiel came to you, had dinner at your house, sat down at the table and you said, Hey, Zeke, what's God been telling you this week? Well, let me tell you about this valley I saw. I saw a bunch of bones. You'd be like, eh, nope, we're not going any further. I don't want to hear about this graveyard that you saw. Yeah, but you don't know the end of the story. It's really cool. There's life that can come to it again. It's like God shows Ezekiel through a deeper measure uh, concerning Israel, but I believe also pertaining to your life. There is nothing so dead that God can't bring life back to that and cause it to have strength and stand up again. I, I know how easy it is for us to buy into the fact that when the devil says it's over, that's what it means. It means it's over. Now, it's really, really funny because we have this insane ability as human beings that I haven't quite wrapped my mind around yet. If I ever figure this out, I'm probably going to be a billionaire. But this is pretty incredible to me. We talk about the power of God. How many of you believe there's nothing more powerful than God? Come on, let me see that hand today if you believe that. There is nobody that compares to our God. I don't, nothing in this world, above, in the heavens, in the earth, beneath, nothing. Nowhere, anybody, there is no equal to him. He has no second part. There's nothing, nothing in this world that is co-equal to our God. He is God all by himself. We profess that, we pray that, we say we believe that until that God says to us, it's not that dead. I can breathe life back into that. We say we believe that until God says to our family, it's not that broken. I can heal that. We say that until we're the one that's sick. And then we look in the very face of that almighty God and say, well, I know you healed Jenny. I know you healed Billy. But you can't heal me. What's so wild about this is that when God speaks, we really, really struggle to take him at his word. But I would wonder today if there's anybody, and we're going to be real transparent here, if there's anybody in the house that God has ever lied to you. Hold my breath here. Ain't nobody? Is it, is it really a fact that God is true? That he cannot lie? He is not a man that he should lie? Is that, is that a fact? 
Now, how many of you in here has the enemy ever told you a lie? And you have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that was absolutely, unequivocally a lie. Let me see that hand today. So why is it that his report is so much easier to believe than the report of the Lord? Because the report of the enemy will cause you to focus on the dry bones. But the report of the Lord will say, talk to the wind. Because the bones are laying in a valley, but the wind is above that. The wind is coming from a different perspective. So I'm telling somebody today, Ezekiel may sound a little strange in the visions that God gives him, but there is hope in the idea today that you will never walk through a valley where you become so dry and so brittle that God cannot breathe life back into you. I'm speaking to somebody today who feels like you have come to a hopeless crossroad in your life. There is no more hope. There are no more answers. Just talk to the wind today. There is a refreshing wind that can blow in this house right now. That can breathe life into you. Powerful. So... God speaks to Ezekiel in in strange ways. Um, He shows him angels uh, that I've seen angels, but I've never seen the kind of angels that Ezekiel saw. These cherubs had four faces so that they always faced every direction. (laughs) There There was nothing hidden from them. Everybody likes to talk about angels, especially when it comes time for funerals. Like, people get angelly at funerals. It's like, oh, my goodness. Angels. Like, somebody passes away, and it's like they, they earned their angels' wings today. That's an interesting concept. That God created humanity a little lower than the angels, but when we stop breathing, we're angels. That's not really... I don't want to burst anybody's bubbles today or hurt anybody's feelings, but that's just not how that system works. They earned their wings today. Look, I'm just going to tell you right now, folks, if heaven is about me getting wings, this is, you know, this is going to be a little interesting. I always wondered why I was so tense between my shoulders. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because I'm going to have great big old wings, you know. My wife thinks I'm as close to an angel as you can get, I'm assuming. She says if he ever takes that suit coat off, you'll see those wings. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You bunch of losers. What's wrong with you? You don't believe me? Baby, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? You understand what I'm saying? Like, we got weird concepts of angels. We, 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 we think this angel thing is, man, it's, it gets wild. But I've never... Heard anybody even misconstrued something that sounds as crazy to me as sitting down with Ezekiel? Yeah, I saw I saw some angels today. Oh, really? Man, what they look like? What angels look like? Well, they had four faces. One looked like a lion. Whoa, we're done. God showed him things in powerful measures that he gave him understanding about. And Ezekiel 47 is no different. It's a very, very powerful chapter. There are things that God is showing him 
that will prophetically unfold in the future. You can draw types and shadows and, and be really, really close on so many things in Ezekiel 47. We can find Christ, the Messiah, in just about the whole chapter and every event that unfolds in that. We can find Christ in the door of the temple because he is the way. I'm not going to get hung up here for a long time. This is the part I said I wasn't going to preach for a long time. We can find Christ in the temple itself because he is the house of God. John 1.14 said that he tabernacled among us. He literally is that, that temple. He is the temple of God. And our bodies being filled with the Holy Ghost, we become the temples of God as well. There's so many types and shadows. We can find Christ in the waters issuing forth from underneath the doors. Because no matter where you are in your life, he will always be the most refreshing and most powerful drink of water that you've ever had. We can find him and we can literally take these things and, and correspond them to scriptures in, in, in the Bible that Jesus sets down at a well with a woman and he says to her, I'll give you a drink of something where you'll never ever thirst again. We can find him in the river. We can find him in the waters. We can find him in the door. We can find him in the temple. We can find him everywhere. You can preach and teach this stuff. You can do a 10-week series on Ezekiel 47 and never get to the end of it. It is that cool. It is that powerful. But I want to jump off in the shallow end of the pool for just a few minutes and tell you that there is a principle in Ezekiel 47 that I feel like has never changed it was there before Ezekiel saw this vision. It was there at the day of Pentecost. It's here in this house today. It's a very incredible principle that I feel like God wants to speak to somebody today in this house. Are you ready to go on a ride? So he says to us, I saw this vision, and I don't want to get caught up in all this right now because we're not doing the Bible study on it. But I, he shows me this vision, and I see the house of God, and I see the doors of the house of God. I see the direction that it's facing. I see all that. We can go through every bit of that. He said, but all of a sudden, I saw water that started coming out. And he said, as the water began to come out of the house of the Lord, he said, there was a man that had a line in his hand that he was measuring. And so he brings me a 1,000 cubits. And, man, I'm telling you, it's crazy. We can get into the measure. We can get into the line. We can talk about who the man was holding the line. It's all there. But this is what I want you to get. He measured a 1,000 cubits. Somebody say he went a little further. And when he went a little further, it got a little deeper. Now, hey, don't nobody pass out. That was so deep right there, okay? So there was a measure and there was depth. Okay? He measures a 1,000. And all of a sudden, I look down and the water's to my ankles. So the, the man... He takes the line again, and he measures it out. And he walks it off. Boom. And he brought me through the waters. And the next thing I know, he said, I'm standing in water. It's up to my knees. Okay, here comes the principle. There is a measure, and there is a depth. Gone a little bit deeper now. Then he measures another thousand. Man, we can, we can jump in all over this right here. It brings me to water, and it's waters to my loins. My goodness, we could talk about that. The, the reproduction, the power. What, what's this mean? What God's doing in my life. Why the loins are important. All that, And that's all important. But I want you to get the principle. There is a measure, 
And then there's depth. But this is the place where 99% of people will stop and allow fear and trepidation to grip their hearts. Because the very next measure in the life of this vision is something that's over his head. He measured, and I'm at the loins. But the next measure, I can't control. At this measure, I am deep enough in the presence of God that when people look at me, they can say, hmm, he's spiritual. I am deep enough at my loins that I may be able to produce a little something in the kingdom of God, but it's at a level that I am still in full control. This is absolutely a type and shadow, a perfect, beautiful picture of modern day religion that we're going to get just deep enough that we can say we're in the water. But we refuse to go so deep that we can't control it and manipulate it and change the doctrine of it and say, I don't like that part. I don't like this part. I'll live by that part, but not by this part. It's a depth. Nobody said that there wasn't a measure and there wasn't a depth. What I'm saying is there is a deeper place. And the principle is this. Whenever you connect with God and you begin to walk with God, there will never be a season in your life that he is not measuring you and he is not trying to take you deeper. It is impossible to have a relationship with God and get satisfied in ankle deep water. Ankle deep doctrine. Ankle deep prayer. Ankle deep study. But it's amazing how it begins, fear begins to wreak havoc in the hearts of people when they come to a place that say, whoa, 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 I've never been that deep before. My grandparents didn't go that deep. My grandparents never saw that revelation. My father may have been a preacher. My grandfather may have been a preacher. And he ne- I've never heard him preach that. Listen. Don't get hung up on what your grandfather or your father preached. Know this, that if you're walking with God, there is a deeper measure that he is leading you to. You may have never heard it one time in your life that you've got to be born again of water and spirit. But don't get stuck in ankle deep water. Come on a little bit deeper. Can I tell you right now, That there is a denominal world that says the way to be baptized is to be baptized in the titles of Father, Son, and Spirit. But Acts 4 and 12 tells us that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Can I tell you, there is a little deeper water this morning. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. But Pastor St. Clair, I came from a movement in my life that told me the Spirit of God, the infilling of the Holy Ghost was not a necessity. That it was just a blessing that some people have and some people don't. Have you ever thought about the, 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 the let me say it nice, the craziness of that statement? 
Well, uh, I, I don't believe in the essentiality of the Holy Ghost. So what you're saying is God loves some people more. Think about that. That is exactly what that doctrine says. God loves this woman more than he loves me because she has the Holy Ghost and I don't. You ever thought about that? I've heard men that used to preach this precious truth say things of the nature, well, I used to believe it was essential that you had the Holy Ghost. Now I don't believe that anymore. I just believe it's a special gift. I heard it come out of their mouth. And the only thing I can think is you got out there in those waters you couldn't control and you fought the current so bad that you had to swim back over there to shallow level because you wanted to control it. If you can say that the Holy Ghost is for some people and it's not for other people, then automatically, I don't care what anybody says about this, automatically what we're saying is we kind of become partly the judge of who deserves it and who don't. Oh, God have mercy. That right there is worth the price of admission, folks. If we're saying that the Holy Ghost is for some but not for others, who's the judge of that? Because when so-and-so comes to you and sits down and says, well, I think I got the Holy Ghost, but I'm not sure, automatically your mind says, well, I know why you don't have it. I'm telling you today that our Father loves us so much that He doesn't just pick a handful selected people that deserve the Holy Ghost. Thank God I don't have to deserve His Spirit. Thank God I don't have to deserve, hey, I feel him here. Thank God I don't have to deserve redemption. Thank God I don't have to deserve restoration. While I was yet a sinner, he died for me. Oh, I feel like preaching that this morning. I know the enemy has told you you're worthless. He's told you you have no value. But God thought you were valuable enough that he robed himself in flesh and he hung on a cross. I'm telling you, Calvary was for all of us. Oh, my, my. I know. We look at some people and we say, well, they're like spoiled rich brats because they were born into the church. That's why I like his system. Because you can be a 10th generation in the church. Or you can walk in off the street and stop drunk. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I don't care if you got paraphernalia in your pocket this morning. The Holy Ghost is for you. I'm sick of everybody trying to fix drug addicts. I'm sick of everybody trying to fix homeless people. God is the only cure for that disease. His, hey, his spirit living in us. His spirit making the difference in us. Him washing away our sin. He is the difference maker. We... We got to quit trying to fix everybody and let the blood do the work. We got to quit trying to fix everybody and let the Holy Ghost work in their life. I believe if we'll get them baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, that God will work it out. Believe it. My, my, my. Hallelujah. Somebody. 
Somebody knows what it feels like to be brought out. Somebody knows what it feels like to be turned around. I'm going to tell you why I love the Holy Ghost. It's because the Holy Ghost don't psychoanalyze me. Boy, there's something awful sweet in here right now. This would be a good morning for somebody to get your deliverance. I know. I know. I know how we think because we've got all these systems worked out in our minds. But we sincerely think we know the reason that everybody's doing drugs. We know the reason that everybody is living an alternate lifestyle. We know, we know why they are. No, you don't. You really don't. You don't have a clue what they've been through. And you don't know what their high is trying to cover and hide in their lives that keep them so broken that the only relief they can get from that is a hit. Man, I'm trying to preach to somebody in this house this morning. I feel that old strong angel in here today. I'm saying to you right now that we think we've got it all figured out and we think we know what it is, but this is the only thing I do know that is the constant in the equation. Whatever it is that they're trying to suppress and to hide and to cover up and to keep dead in their life, I know where there's enough power that it doesn't just go away 30 minutes and two hours at a time. I know where there is power that when they call on a name, it'll change your life forever. It's not just a temporary hit. It doesn't just go away for a moment. He'll change you forever. I feel him in the house this morning. Yay! Yes, Jesus. Yes. Come on, it don't matter what your daddy thinks about it. It don't matter what your mama thinks about it. Somebody came back this morning to tell him, thank you for making me whole. Thank you for turning my life around. Thank you for joy like I never knew before. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel him in this place. I feel him in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There is for sure an anointing in this house that destroys yokes of bondage. God's trying to draw somebody a little bit deeper this morning. God's trying to take somebody just a little bit deeper today. Let me preach for a few more minutes. You know, it's easy to stand in the shallow places and hold up scorecards on how people are swimming in the deep. Boy, I hope that wasn't missed right there. It's easy to stand in that ankle deep and knee deep water and say they're swimming wrong. But what you can't see is the current that's underneath them. 
church family, I don't know how to explain this to you, but to just do my best. And I want to tell you that even in the times that it looks like I'm treading water, there is a hand that's holding me up. That as long as I'm standing on my own two feet, he can't get his hand underneath me to hold me up. But when I will stand, oh God, help me preach this right now. When I get to a place that I don't have to be in control, I don't have to be the one with the answers, and I can take one more step and say, measure it out, Lord. You measure it out, and I'm going. And I let him measure my life, and he takes me a little bit deeper. I don't care how deep the water is. There is a hand that's there. It's holding me up. It's making the difference. The invisible part of what you cannot see is what makes me what I am. It's that almighty hand. It's the everlasting arms of God. I'm having a hard time right now. I'm about to have a Holy Ghost outfit here. My daddy used to be preaching when he felt something like that. He'd stand still and he'd start doing his head like a chicken. He'd say, I'm about to have a Holy Ghost runaway. Mm. You hear this preacher today when I tell you, you just let people judge the way you tread water. It don't matter. Just talk on. Say whatever you're going to say. You don't know what holds me together. I realize if it wasn't for that hand, I'd have fell apart a long time ago anyhow. He's what keeps me together. He's what ma- Oh, my, my. I want to make a statement, and I don't want this to kill what God is doing, but this is the truth about where they're standing. People that stand in shallow places can only make shallow judgments. You know what it means to me is that people refuse to let the measure be in their lives. You know why daily prayer is a necessity and not just a luxury? It's because this is where the measuring comes. I know what the world has made prayer. Brother Gordon, it's not what everybody says it is. It's not spending an hour begging God for my will to be done. My prayer is not, it's not, it's not a solid hour of saying, God, please give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. My prayer, oh Lord, man, I'm telling you, I wish you could see what I'm feeling up here right now. My prayer time has got to begin with, okay, God, get the line out. Before I ask you, I feel him in this house. Before I ask you for anything else, I'm asking you to get that line and measure me. Oh, right there, son, you'd ask for something that's not my will. Okay, stop measuring me for just a minute and start working on me right there. Woo! Oh, I feel something in the house. I am so thankful for the mercy of a God that knows just how to measure me and connect my measurement with his mercy. 
that when he sees I'm not ready for a deeper measure, for a deeper level, he can stop and say, son, you just lay down right there, and I'm going to get a hold of your heart. And that bitterness that's in there, let me just work on that for just a minute. And he'll take out the sharp dagger of his word, that two-edged sword. And he begins to cut away. Oh, God, yes, it's painful. No, I don't enjoy it. But what it's doing, it's allowing me to move from here that tomorrow I can get up again. And he can measure me and say, now it's time. Oh, I see, I see something in the measure, son, that, that's contrary to my nature. Oh, so right there we say, oh, God, take me deeper, take me deeper, take me deeper. No, 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 you, you, you don't understand. The measure always comes before the water. Did I just preach right there? Read it for yourself. He measured another thousand, and then I was in deeper water. You will never walk in deeper places till you allow the measure to come. And I don't want to hurt nobody's. Parade right here. But let's just go straight to the book. Where did the measuring line come from? Where'd the waters come from? Okay, from the house of God. You ain't gonna get measured sitting in your recliner. I'm with you every weekend, Pastor on Facebook. You ain't getting measured. Nope. We're not getting measured because here's the, here's the issue. There's a divine difference in hearing good advice and taking good advice. <laughs> if good advice is all it took to be rich, you could watch YouTube for 15 minutes and be rich tomorrow. I don't want to hurt nobody today. My mom and daddy did a good job raising me. They really did. They worked hard with Jody and I. We were blessed because I had good grandparents. And I had a good, if I could use a country boy term, I had a good raising. But there is somewhat, and and I understand it's good to believe in your kids, but there's something that I determined in my heart. I would never just tell my kids, you can be whatever you want to be. Because it's not true. Like, I, <laughs> is there anybody here that wants to be poor? Anybody? So then why are you being what you don't want to be? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, is there anybody here that just loves to be sick? Is there anybody here that when you're puking over the toilet, you're like, oh, I love this. Anybody? Somebody down on the floor, oh, I love this. No. The whole time you're sick, you're saying, oh, I want to be better. Well, you can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. You're sick right now. You understand? I I mean, I want to be out of debt. Okay. How's that working out for you? Huh? Because you can be whatever you want to be. Good advice doesn't make awesomeness out of anybody. 
And this is the issue. Man, if I could paint this picture with a brush today. This is the picture of the scripture. People want to pick up that book and claim every promise in the book. But if you're going to get the promised land that God gave Abraham, you got to get in the covenant. Every promise in the book, that belongs to me. Not necessarily. Because the things that are in that book, there's going to be a measure that comes before that promise. Mm. Man, I wish y'all were were enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying preaching it. Over here, I see revival. I see harvest. I see lives turned around. I see it. And then the spirit has to measure me. And he says, well, I've gone about as far as I can get on a chapter a day and 15 minutes of prayer. Where'd my shouters go? My God, y'all were running the aisles. God knows I'm busy. Yeah. Where do you want to be? Oh, I want to be in the deep. Hmm. Well, between here and the deep, you got to do a little more than just show up on Sunday and Wednesday. I got <laughs> to be on your mind. You got you to be thinking about me. This is why religion has messed us up and said, hey, I've been going to church. That, 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 that's, that's a good part. Thank God you're going to church. But that's not a fix-all. That's a byproduct of a change that's happening on the inside. When I come and I lift my hands, I'm not just doing that to feel good. I'm saying, measure me. Measure my worship. Measure my praise. You don't feel like praising me today, but you praise me anyhow. Come on a little, hey, come on a little bit deeper. You woke up on Sunday morning and you had a headache. You didn't feel like going to church, but I measured you and your faith got up and put on your church clothes and you're in the house of God today. I'll measure that. I got to hurry. Oh, it feels like change in the room this morning. Let me preach this to you for just a few minutes and I got to get out of here. The number one prerequisite of moving deeper in God is being willing to be measured. That means it may expose some things that you don't want anybody to know. Measure me. Measure my motives. Measure my heart. Measure my asking. 
Because if I'm asking amiss, that I'm asking outside of the alignment of your will, that explains why I can't go deeper. I want to slow this down and teach this principle to you that you cannot afford to miss. The scripture said that they got on the boat with the Messiah. And the words came out of his mouth. Brother Gray, he said, let us go to the other side. Somebody say, that's enough. That's it. That was it. But he said that while they were in the shallow part. Uh, if I could preach right now, I'd do it. While we're in the shallow, he says, you're going to come through this thing. But he never did tell them what was going to happen while they were in the deep. It's as though I get the mental picture. Maybe my mind's a little bit different. But we all know they didn't have a 40-horse Johnson on the back of that boat. It's as though I can see Jesus, the great leader, holding his hand out for the disciples as they stepped onto the boat. And as he looks back to whoever was the captain of the boat that day, perhaps Peter, we don't know. He looks back and Peter gives him the nod. Jesus nods back, steps up with his left foot on the boat and pushes off. We have now left the comfortable, the shallow waters. Now there is a different level required of me. Because I'll never go anywhere if I'm not working. Yeah, but up there it don't cost me anything. I got the same seat. Yeah, but you're in the same spot. So when I put it in my hand, now become measured by the measure of the stroke is the distance that I go into the deep. But the harder they worked, man, God's going to help somebody right here. I'm telling you, I feel it. I got that knot in my throat like I'm trying to do everything I can to keep from just busting out right now. The deeper they went and the harder they worked, the stronger the billow began to roll. And all of a sudden we began to question why God would let us work this hard and come this far just to die in a storm. But I've come too far. Has shown up by. Woo! What are you going to do now? You going to go back? Because the last words were, let us go. And he pushed you off out of your comfort zone. And now you're working and you're giving it your very best. But the storm won't go away. And that's when it dawns on you for the first time. This storm is the will of God. The storm was the will of God when they couldn't just step out of the boat and be like, whoa, finally stability. If it's only to your knees, you're safe. But if it's deep, you got to trust him. Mm -hmm. 
when you can't see the bottom. And if this thing falls apart right now, you're going to sink for sure. Only thing you can do. Keep on rowing. Keep on working. Anybody seen Jesus? Where are you at, God? What's wrong? Huh? What's going on? Hello? Care you not that we perish? I know it's not recorded, but it's my mind. He like looks around, wipes his nose and scratches his head and says, ain't nobody dead. All of you that were here when I said it, you're still here. The boat's upright. You still got a paddle. And I'm still here. What's the problem? Well, the problem is that the storm is more visible than the faith. The invisible part that they could not see in him was so much greater than the storm that they could see with their eyes. But there's some things with God you will never figure out until the measure comes out. How deliverance come? Anybody remember? I'm in the story. Oh, ye of. It's not enough. That's little faith. That's not a thousand cubits. It's just deep enough to make you quit. Your measure. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Is just long enough to lose hope. But when you see that man. Step up to the bow of the boat. And by the spoken word say peace. Anybody feel what I'm feeling right now? I'm going to challenge you. All over this room to raise your hands if you could use some of that peace. Be still right now. Because now we're moving on into deeper waters. Where the true test of a man cannot be revealed standing on the shore. It's time to go deeper. Deeper. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that the angels of the Lord would begin to walk up and down the aisles of this house right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that hopeless mentalities would be lost in the deep right now and that we would realize our greatest treasure is in the vessel, not in the storm. Mm. I'm finished preaching today. But I wouldn't let intimidation keep me in my seat whatsoever. If you want him to measure you and take you deeper today. Hallelujah. Would you step out by faith right now and say, Lord, I don't care how bad it hurts. Measure me. Measure my processes. Measure my mind. Measure the way that I look at the storm. If, I, if you have to, judge me, Lord, and tell me I've got little faith. But I'm ready to go deep.
Oh, you can feel that sweet presence of the Holy Ghost. Measure my faith. Oh. Measure me, God. Measure my relationship with you, God. What have I limited you to? What has my idea of what I think you should be measured you to in my life? What have God, are you really only big enough for Sunday and Wednesday? Is that as big as you are in my life? Would you measure that? Or are you calling me to a deeper relationship where seven days a week you have access to everything that I am? <laughs> 